Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today I'm sitting down and chatting with an entrepreneur, a millennial entrepreneur, who is literally on fire. Her name is Angela Luna, and she created a company called Adif. And her whole mission is to use fashion to solve the refugee crisis. And she is creating these amazing garments that are turning into tents and sleeping bags and flotation devices and all sorts of cool things to directly solve the world refugee crisis. So check out the interview with Angela and myself. She's just got some amazing lessons in there and some great tips on how all of us can really work and make a difference.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. All right, Angela, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I love what you're doing, uh, a socially responsible fashion startup. I've, I've never heard of that before. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Shanna. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you guys. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about Adif, how you came up with this idea. How did this all come to fruition? Because I think this is such a powerful story. Yeah. So Adif um, is a humanitarian fashion startup that I created immediately out, out of college. And I really kind of became compelled to find a way to help the refugee crisis. I remember, you know, first learning about it. I was sitting in my apartment in New York, um, you know, preparing for school the next day. And I found myself just kind of like entranced by all these articles. And then of course, um, you know, when the images of Elan Kurdi um, were circulating around the internet, I just felt uh, so overwhelmed with emotion. I like when I saw it, I knew that um, I wanted to do everything in my power to make sure a picture like that never had to be taken again. So um, wasn't exactly sure how to do that um, with a background in fashion. I had, you know, I guess no political leeway or anything like that. <laughs> I could, I, it wasn't like I could accept all the refugees to the U.S. So, um, yeah, so I decided to, I guess, look at the refugee crisis from a design perspective and to see if there was really any way for clothing or product design or even uh, portable architecture, portable architecture could offer, um, you know, any kinds of solutions or just aid in general to the issues that refugees were facing on a daily basis. Wow, that that is amazing. So did this sort of change your focus when you were at school at fashion school? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I first went to Parsons, I had every intention of becoming a, a couture designer. I actually studied in Paris my junior year and um, was planning on going back there immediately after, immediately after graduation to work for um, Chanel or Dior or something like that. So um, very different from my coursework previously. You know, I had a major focus on couture detailing and tailoring and um, even lingerie design. So yeah, I complete, I guess, 180 from what I was used to. Yeah. Awesome. And so you literally like launched your company out of fashion school, right? Yep. (laughs) And what was, tell us like, what was that about? Like, how did you, did you have mentors or people to help you? Or did you just kind of, you know, figure this all out as you went? What was that process like? So, yeah, um, I guess the way that I presented, I kind of phrased everything like I was planning on continuing <laughs> on this project, and I guess that's what happened. So, um, yeah, you know, when I presented, I think at like you know at the end of my senior year to our uh, panel of judges um, that select the designer of the year, um, the way that I kind of talked about everything, you know, I I did want to continue the project, but I didn't really. Um, know what that would be like. I had applied to a graduate school program for business entrepreneurship that I was considering going to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. So, um, I was lucky enough to get a lot of support from, you know, the faculty at Parsons and, you know, the deans of the school and, um, pretty much everyone on the board of governors. So I've had them guiding me through this entire process, you know, pretty much from day one. So I'm very lucky to have, you know, such seasoned veterans of the fashion industry to kind of advise me. 
But yeah, it's um, even with, you know, expert advice, it still has been a struggle. Uh, You know, daily life is usually unpredictable. And, you know, one day I could just be, you know, sitting at my computer answering emails and then the next day a video can go viral and (laughs) changes. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Awesome. Did you did you start out wanting to be an entrepreneur or is this just something that's evolved? Um, Well, I always, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to have my own brand, but it was never something that um, it wasn't anything like what, how I would have expected this, it like this to be. So when I was a kid, I was like, oh yeah, I want to have an evening wear line and (laughs) everyone's going to go on the red carpet and they're going to say they're wearing Angela Luna. Um, you know, it was very, it was kind of, it was very selfish. It was focused around, you know, my design, my aesthetic, my name. And, um, you know, with a diff, you know, it's not even, it's not about me. This is not about, you know, me as a designer or as an entrepreneur. It's about, you know, the people we're helping and what we're trying to do on a major scale. Part of the reason why it's not called Angela Luna and it's called a diff. Yeah. So what it, does a diff have a meeting? It's actually coming from the phrase a difference because um, the basic thing we're trying to do is make a difference, one, within uh, the refugee crisis and two, within the fashion industry. So um, my thesis collection at Parsons was called Design for Difference. So I kind of had to think of a new word so we can trademark it to um, be the brand name. Oh, that's so cool. So I know you you did a TED Talk. I watched your TED Talk, and I'm going to definitely put a link for all of the listeners to watch that as well. But you raised the question, you know, can fashion be a cause for social change? And I think that's so great. You know, maybe talk about, you know, what you've seen in the fashion industry and, and why, you know, fashion and social change has, has not had an intersection, really. Yeah, I mean, even just looking back at Fashion Week, um, I mean, it's still going on right now in Europe, but um, looking at what was shown in New York, you know, I kind of always found myself saying, you know, yeah, fashion has been considered as detached from global concerns because it is. If you look at what these designers are doing, you know, a large majority are just focusing on, you know, trends or like abstracted ideas like clouds or rivers or I don't know, something. Very kind of surface. So, um, yeah, I think also with the fashion industry being, you know, such a key leader of excess, you know, a company or a brand that makes a dress to only be worn once to one event for like three hours, you know, it's, it's not really something that's concerned about, I guess, the people who aren't as privileged. It's not really concerned about waste necessarily. It's, um, yeah, it's just been really, I guess, detached from, you know, what's really going on in the world and been kind of a distraction, I guess, in a way. So um, I think, yeah, um, having social causes linked within fashion is definitely something new um, that I have seen kind of popping up with millennials and being a millennial myself. I definitely think it's representative of our generation. Um, I would say it's partially just because of, you know, our strong attraction to social media, like, um, no longer is the world so divided. Like you can find out what's going on in Syria with a tweet. Um, right. and, it, and it's like all the borders are pretty much gone with social media. So, you know, there is really no excuse for not knowing what's going on. And I think that's something that millenni- millennials are responding to. And, um, you know, I think the fashion system has been kind of slow to, I guess, catch on to some things like this. So, um, I think that's why, you know, it's a lot of the younger 
younger designers and people coming right out of school that are making the most social change within the industry. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you see that as a trend, like amongst your, your younger peers too? Actually, like within, within Parsons, I was like the only person doing a project that was like this, but, um, you know, one of my great friends, she graduated a year before me at Parsons. Her name is Lucy Jones. She has an awesome, she does awesome work. Um, she creates clothing to help, uh, persons with disabilities, but, um, yeah, like she's a great example of this too. I have been contacted by a bunch of, you know, freshmen or sophomores at design schools who are so inspired by what I'm doing and they kind of want to take on a similar, a similar approach to design. And I definitely encourage that, you know, I think that fashion has such a potential to create change. And, um, if you're not utilizing that, then, you know, what are you doing? Right. Exactly. Awesome. No, I love it. I mean, I just think, I I think you can, you can give back and do good in almost every industry. And I think that's really what's going to inspire and and change the world is, is that kind of thinking. Yeah. That's what I was really trying to promote within the Ted talk. Like, even if you're an accountant, like seriously, I mean, I could use an accountant's help right now. So you can help (laughs) the world, you know, um, you just have to really think, uh, outside the box. I know that sounds like totally cliche, but, um, you know, I feel like the best ways to help people aren't always the ways that are spelled out or that have been done before. You know, that's why there's still so many problems in the world is because people, you know, tend to take traditional approaches. So we need people, you know, thinking of new ideas and being innovative and pushing the boundaries, really. Yeah. And also, I think what's so great about your story is not being afraid to take a traditional, you know, a normal traditional path and go, wait a minute, I'm going to do this a little bit different. Yeah. I'm like everyone, anyone who does anything normal, I'm like, no one writes stories about people who do normal things. So you should just go out there and be like totally weird and do stuff that, you know, you would never really think of doing. I know it's like when I was first starting with this, I got really worried and nervous because I was so outside of my comfort zone. But, you know, that's where the real work happens. Like it's not when you're used to doing something again and again, like that's not, that's not where genius happens. Genius kind of happens when you are pretty much just like scared out of your mind. You have no idea what's going to happen and you just have to keep going. And that's where I'm at now too. So I'm hoping. Yeah. No, that's great. Like I've, I've been there so many times where your toes are like, you're actually three quarters of your foot is falling off the cliff and uh, you're like, all right, you know, I know I'm like, we've we've got like, we've gotten like over 700 orders for 10 jackets, like almost overnight. And I'm like, we don't have a producer for these jackets yet. We don't have the money to fund these jackets yet. So details, details. Yes. It's yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, we'll get it. It'll be fine. I'm just going to tell myself it's all going to be okay. And we're going to sell those jackets. Yeah, no, it will be. So tell us about the clothing line and kind of how you, how you designed these things. So there are seven looks total, um, in the first line that I did, um, there are two jackets that turn into tents responding to the needs, uh, responding to the need of shelter that, um, refugees are currently and constantly facing. Um, there's a jacket that also turns into a backpack, uh, responding to the need of like general relocation. Um, there is a reflective reversible jacket, um, which kind of answers the need to be seen one second and hide the next Um, this is the jacket that we also have available for pre-sale on Kickstarter. Um, yeah, it's entirely reflective on one side and kind of like a camouflaging green on the other. We also have a sleeping bag jacket, 
um, which yeah, turns into a sleeping bag. So, um, definitely makes sleeping a lot more comfortable when you're on the move. I actually slept in this jacket myself when I was visiting refugee camp. <laughs> so I gotta say it was, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It made the boat, the floor of the boat much more comfortable. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we also have a jacket with a, uh, removable baby harness that can, uh, carry small children. I did test that one out with my dog and he is, he's a little fat. <laughs> It worked out. Um, and then we do have, um, an inflatable flotation jacket, um, responding to the need of, you know, overseas journeys and, um, also with sustainability. Cause a lot of the life vests that have been used by refugees, um, end up kind of in like stockpiles over in the mountains or on the beaches. So, um, yeah, with this jacket, you know, you can wear it when you're on the boat and then you can wear it for the rest of your journey. Awesome. How long did it take you like design wise to to perfect this. So these, these garments actually turn into these things. I wouldn't say that there's, I would say that they're still not perfected. <laughs> there's still room <laughs> to grow. I mean, I'm, I'm always my worst critic, but, um, yeah, I mean, for example, like the tent jackets, um, the concept I came up with pretty quickly and then, you know, making the tent stand up was <laughs> a big problem for me. I, I, um, have actually only gone camping about like once in my life. <laughs> so, um, definitely uncharted territory, but, uh, yeah, from, I guess it's, it's really hard to sketch, you know, a jacket that turns into a tent if you don't really know how that works. So I really worked mostly in like three dimensional, um, environments, making prototypes, you know, small scale and then real life, like large scale and then kind of going from there. But yeah, everything I would say all in all, each, each jacket took around four to six months to develop from start to finish. And that's actually, I, I thought you were going to say a lot longer. So that's actually, um, in my mind, I, I can't even draw a picture. Yeah, so no, that's no. pretty fast. <laughs> It took, it took longer to sew though. Like I had to sew all of the jackets personally, um, for the final, for the final critiques. And, um, they each took around two weeks actually to sew, uh, with all the details, you know, between cutting everything, trimming everything down and making it look nice. Um, my fingerprints were actually like completely gone because of, you know, the thick, the thick fabric and the pins and everything. And, yeah, I couldn't unlock my iPhone for for a few months. <laughs> that that is a bad thing. <laughs> yes, it is. No, and I, 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 I know you, other fingers. Yeah, exactly. Right. I know you went over and you know visited with some refugees. Like, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah. So from day one, when I wanted to do this project, it was always my goal to get to refugee camp. And I had reached out to like every single organization, like UNHCR, IRC, um, you know, Mercy Corps, all of them. And everyone was just ignoring me. And I was like, how the hell am I supposed to get to these camps? Cause it's not like you can really just walk in there's security, things like that. So, um, Finally, I did get permission to go uh, on a distribution trip with a small charity called Carry the Future, and um, their mission is really just about handing out uh, baby carriers and child harnesses and diapers and things like that to um, you know new parents within the camps. So when I went, um, you know, I thought I had a pretty good idea of what to expect, uh, having done all the research and you know talked to volunteers in the camps and you know done like a ton of image compilations, but you know, it's, it's different to see something through a computer and to feel the vibe and to feel the environment, um, when you're actually there. 
like the camps that we went to, um, there were some that were definitely much better than others, but then there were some that I would, you know, compare to prison conditions. Like, um, you know, people were sleeping, some people didn't even have tents. They were just kind of sleeping underneath tarps on like, you know, wooden pallets without blankets or beds or whatever. And, you know, it really, it's just, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, actually while I was there, the majority of the time I was speaking to people, I was speaking to children. Um, cause a lot of the camps, uh, about 50% of the population is children. Um, and also the, the kids are amazing at English. So, um, they kind of became my translators, but yeah, um, we brought over pretty much all the products. I think we left about two of them at home and, in like the, in the meantime, between doing distribution for carry the future, I was also testing the, testing the garments with the refugees and trying to get feedback on like, which, which items they would need the most, um, which of them are still relevant because when I had designed the collection, I was kind of responding more to the needs of like refugees who are leaving now, like they're leaving their homes and then, you know, getting on a boat, walking miles and miles to, um, you know, their final destination. But since Europe has shut the borders and since uh, refugee camps have kind of just become, I guess, new homes for these people, the crisis has really shifted. Like the needs of someone who's walking for six months aren't really the, huh. the same needs as the person who has been living in the camp for six months. So we were really just trying to figure out which of the jackets were still relevant, um, what we could donate. And, you know, we figured that the the best two were the reflective reversible jacket, which is also part of the reason why we're offering that one for sale first. Um, so that way we can do donations. And then um, also the child carrying jacket. But you know, the entire collection received like hundred percent positive response within the camps. Like everyone was so excited, um, to see, you know, clothing and products that were specifically designed to assist them. And then also like, you know, everyone kind of has that moment when they try on a really nice piece of clothing and it makes them feel better about themselves and, you know, brings a smile to your face and yeah. kind of makes so I really witnessed that, you know, within everyone who tried on the garments, they would kind of go from being a little bit shy or standoffish and then, you know, put on the jacket and be like, oh, take my picture and <laughs> doing like fake, fake runway walks. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to see how, you know, something as light as fashion could make such a positive impact on their mood. Um, it definitely, I felt like uplifted their spirits and, you know, gave them a little bit of a break from worrying about visas and um, accepting to another country and things like that. Wow, what an experience. I, I think that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign and how we can all join you. Yeah, so um, the Kickstarter campaign, we are selling their reflective reversible jacket. For every jacket that is purchased, we will be donating one to a refugee. If you do want to help out, but you don't necessarily want to buy a jacket for yourself, we do have an option for um, just donating a jacket. Um, you can even donate like five jackets if you want. Um, we also are um, selling some graphic t-shirts and uh, graphic hats too with a diff on them just to kind of get the word out, get people to be supportive of the brand. So if you go into Kickstarter, you can type a diff into the search bar. It's A-D-I-F-F -F, and our project should come up. We have seven days left. So yeah, 
get to funding. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's awesome. And I see that you've already hit your goal, surpassed your goal, which is yes, fantastic. We, we hit our goal on um, Sunday. Was that yesterday? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night. Um, so toasted to a little bit of champagne. But yeah, we still think we can raise way more money. I mean, 60000 was actually the minimum that we needed to get this whole thing going. So the more that we raise, the more people we can help, the more that we can do. So um, I definitely think we can break it that break a hundred thousand. So I hope you guys can help get us there. Yeah. So tell me last question, tell me about, you know, what, what do you kind of have in your heart as the future for a diff? Are there any ideas or different evolutions you're thinking of? So I see a diff as being, you know, more than just clothing, more than just fashion. I see it as, you know, creating change, throughout all areas of the refugee crisis. You know, we, we, our entry point, I guess, to this issue is through clothing and through design in that manner. But, you know, we are also interested in doing service design or um, creating community building activities within refugee camps or creating assimilation activities. So, um, you know, the future of ADIF, I really just see as us making as much of an impact on the lives of these people as we can. Um, whether it's with clothing or whether it's, um, with something else. So yeah, I'm really hoping that we can get there. Wow. That's awesome. Um, well, I have so appreciated your time and this conversation. I know that the listeners are going to love this and hopefully we can all rally and, um, you know, help you get to that hundred thousand mark for sure. And I'd love to circle back to you, you know, after the campaign and, and talk more kind of entrepreneur and, you know, how it all ended up and, and all sorts of goodies like that. Yes, absolutely. I can tell you how the, how the production process is going and distribution and like what's pro- what's coming next. So yeah, definitely circle back and I'd love to keep you updated. Awesome. So where can people find you online outside of Kickstarter? You can actually, we have a, um, a great brand website. It's just adif.com, A-D-I-F-F.com. Um, we've been posting a lot of updates up there. Linked on the website too is like our Instagram and our Facebook pages. So um, follow those. We generally post something at least once a day just to keep you updated on how things are going and where we want to go. So I think you'll agree that Angela is quite amazing. And hopefully what you get from this podcast, obviously, I want you to head over to Kickstarter, check out her campaign, see what she's up to, help her out if you can. Um, None of us can do any of these great ideas by ourselves. We all need to help each other and support each other. But also just to encourage you, no matter what career you're in, even if you think it's it's a, a boring career or you're in a in a box and you can't quite find your way out. Hopefully Angela has inspired you to dig deep, you know, find something that you really believe in and think outside of the box and don't be afraid to go for it because there really is nothing. There really is no worse thing that can happen, right? Maybe you end up creating something like Angela's line, like a diff that ends up solving a global issue, or at least helping the people that are refugees that are stuck that are really needing this help. So dig deep and get inspired. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game, Instagram at millennial underscore money, and check out the show notes for all the links to what Angela is up to.